Shut up, I love it. I want to shut up, I love it. Welcome to Shut Up, I Love It. I'm Joe Cabello with Sasha Filer. <laughs> and we are here to talk about things that are unknown, maybe reviled, maybe underappreciated. Hate it. Yeah, maybe even hate it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> this is Shut Up, I Love It. We are here with our special guest. We have a guest. She's an actress and filmmaker. A quarantine buddy, a Quentin Quarantino, <laughs> Andy Yuma. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me on the show, guys. We're excited to have you. So excited to have you. I mean, Joe, you know, lives with you, so he's just excited to have you, period. And I'm excited to have you on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's more of a shut up. I love it scenario these days <laughs> where we're just like quarantining uh, and, and uh, shutting up and, and getting on with it <laughs> and not loving anything. <laughs> uh, but what are you here to talk about on shut up? I love it. So I am here to talk about the well-known but frequently reviled movie Twilight, the first installment of the Twilight saga um, and I'm super excited about it. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Like, uh, you do like, love the whole series, correct? Absolutely. The movie series, but we are talking specifically about the first one. And how about books? Is that anywhere in your wheelhouse or are you just, no, you're not, that's not part of this. I've read the books mm. multiple With times. With your eyeballs or okay. on the, on the audiobooks? Or your earballs. With, with my eyeballs. Wow. Yeah. That's an yeah. extra, extra plus, extra star. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm dyslexic, so I get extra oh, wow. points for everything for I sure. do. Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> you've read it a couple times, but uh, but you, maybe I've never heard you talk about the books as much, so just movies. I just want to be clear for the audience, because we might have some Twilight bookworms who are tuning in because they love the book. We're talking and, about... I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the movie is a good interpretation of the book, and I feel like that's where the fan base grew instead of, you know, got disappointed and walked away. They were like, oh no, this is this is what's in my mind that's come to the screen. That's really exciting. Um, Was that the chronological order for you, Andy, as well, that you read the books first and then you saw the movie? I think so. Yeah, yeah, because I was reading the books... Oh, yeah, I mean, I was living in London at the time, and then I feel like I saw the movie Rainy Town afterwards. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it might as well have taken place in yeah. London. Lots of pale people walking around. <laughs> Shout I'm out to our London <laughs> listeners. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, with the new uh, established uh, sort of style of Shut Up, I Love It, is we admit early on how we feel Joe and I admit early on how we feel about the subject which I think is nice because then we can see if anything changes towards the end yeah or like how familiar we are with yeah. it as well so um, we will get to why you think this is a good shut up I love it topic but you already kind of touched on that saying it's reviled <laughs> uh, often reviled so Sasha what's your um, just experience with Twilight in general whether it's the movie or the books my experience was uh, zero before today. I've heard of it. Yes, I knew about the great relationship of Kristen Stewart and uh, Robert, Robert Pattinson and how much Donald Trump loved their relationship and tweeted about. 
So I knew that. Uh, and I, but I never. That's public record. <laughs> it's in public record on Twitter, although his account is suspended permanently. If you, uh, unless if you don't know about that, but I did not watch it because I suspected it was going to be bad. So I didn't watch it like knowing that it was like bad, and and, and I don't think I like I avoided it on purpose. And I was like, oh, I can't touch that. It was just like never in front of me, and I was like, well, I, uh, it sounds a little too cheesy for me so i never watched it until last night slash this morning so that's my okay so it was on your radar you knew it was part of pop culture yeah but. of course i don't live under and a rock nothing so. gives me greater pleasure <laughs> than to introduce twilight to someone like i love doing that you, you so. just did yeah you did i'm it. so happy <laughs> joe what about you um yeah actually um the books i really had no idea about uh until the movie came out and then i didn't read them but um I saw the first one, I don't think in theaters, but I saw the second one in theaters with somebody when I first moved to LA, this, like, the classic dumb guy, dumb buff guy, it was him, I worked with him. Shout out. And he, wow. he was like, I, I hope he doesn't still have anything to do with me, but he was a very sweet guy, but, oh. but just very big and dumb, and he was like... Do you want to come with me? Me and this was other he full guy. Of cum? Like, I have to ask. His, I assume <laughs> he was full of cum by how big and dumb he was. But he was like, "Do you want to see the the premiere, the midnight premiere?" Mm. This is back when like movies did midnight premieres on Thursday. Now it's like yeah, yeah. three p.m. on Thursday. They like keep changing it. Mm -hmm. But uh, this was then, so like that was a big deal going at midnight. Um, so I went and got, saw it with him because I was like, this, "I like these movies are fine." Um, great pair though. It was me, big dumb guy, and then a pessimistic small nerdy guy. For some reason, we were Shut all friends, out. and Again, we were like, what are these people? <laughs> yeah." For some reason, like the perfect pair. It wasn't like three big dumb guys. It was just like the the what would you call it? The Goldilocks. Yeah, you were the Goldilocks. Uh, you think? I was the one that's just right. Yeah. <laughs> of course you think. <laughs> But long story short, uh, I didn't keep up with it too long after that, mm -hmm. but I did, like, appreciate it in the past. Okay. But I haven't really revisited or kept up. And that was the second movie, that was right? The second. Yeah, the second okay. one. So that was, like, ten years ago. So you liked the first one enough to be like, I'm going to check out the second one. At midnight with a big guy who is so <laughs> full brimming of full of cum. <laughs> <laughs> and then a small, nerdy, pessimistic guy. Was the pessimistic guy upset by any uh, anything that's happened in the second movie? Not that we're going to talk about. Um, he was less enthused about going, but I think he mm -hmm. he saw the how much the big guy was full of cum, and <laughs> uh, he. This podcast is going off the rails. <laughs> you you started. I started, it, but I can't. I couldn't. I, I. It's like if something really wants to get out there, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Andy, can you uh, talk to us about your? Um, how many times have you seen it? Like, you know, we have people come on with their favorite things. They've seen it a hundred times. We pe people come on, they've seen it once. Like, how often do you go back to re-watching these films or this particular first film? I say I watch it, you know, three or four times a year, I wow. would say. Wow. Um, and wow. that's like most of the Twilight movies. I'll sit down and, and kind of like go through from start to finish. because. Yeah. I love all of them. Does anything prompt you, say, you there? Like, does anything prompt you like you're sad, it's your birthday, or is there anything, other exterior circumstances that prompt Yeah, you? absolutely. I have a ritual of watching it with my mom. Mm. So whenever I go back home, whether it's for Christmas wow. or another holiday, like, 
we'll plan it. We'll talk about it oh. beforehand. We're like, we're going to watch the, the Twilight movies. Like, we're going to sit down and do this. And we'll just talk about every little in-joke that we have about the movie. And then we'll sit down and, and watch all of them to my dad's disappointment. But mom <laughs> loves them, right? Mom is, oh, is a big yeah. fan. Oh, amazing. Huge. Yeah, it seems to me like this is one of the, your movies, if not the movie, that if someone's like, just let's watch a movie you really like, or like, show me a movie, you'd be like, oh, then we'll watch this. Yeah, it's, to me, it feels like a warm hug. Mm. Like, these movies feel like home. And getting to watch them with my mom just builds on that feeling. And then we watch it in times of crisis. We watch it in times of joy. Like, we watch it... Uh, I introduced the Twilight movies to Joe's sister recently, which was really exciting. And she fell in love, obviously, because it's wonderful. Um, and, you know, she ended up watching it over the holidays, too. And I was like, yeah, that's, it's like one of those holiday movies now where you just sit and enjoy the... The, the characters and, and come home. What is the just quick premise? I know most of the world has seen Twilight, probably. At least maybe the from people who listen to this podcast. But Andy, like in just a couple of sentences, what is the premise? What is the main story of this franchise? Um, the main story is a... Um, God, it's so hard to summarize it because I'm like, I love all the details. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Bella Swan is a human and... Um, she falls in love with a vampire, Edward Cullen, and he falls in love with her in return. And their worlds kind of collide, and all the rules between humans and vampires kind of surface, and, you know, love triumphs. Um, kind of. <laughs> what, I, yeah, uh, what a log line. Trying to, to, uh, the log line just <laughs> ruins the ending. Love triumphs in the end. But it, it's it's about it's about finding family in in so many ways. Like that's what I really like about this um, this movie is is you know she's an outsider mm-hmm. in her own humanness. She's awkward. She's the loner kind of character that doesn't quite fit in, um, and she finds her people, and her people just happen to be vampires, and they're really cool. And then she she wants to be a part of that world. And it's not just about love, but about her kind of finding herself um, and finding her power, which, you know, spoiler alert for the final movie, you know, she becomes a vampire. Oh, Um, (laughs) You know, and she finds her power that way. And it's, I think it's really cool. And it's not just about the guy and the girl, you know, it's about her kind of finding herself. It's interesting that you say, Andy, that it it is uh, her finding like her people and her well almost like finding acceptance because she's so different and she now she's an outsider because she arrives to school and she's immediately very popular she doesn't want yeah, everybody likes everybody <laughs> loves her they they want to be uh dating her <laughs> yeah yeah but i think that just you can you can see it that she's uncomfortable with it. She's uncomfortable. You can s- I, I that's, yeah. that's the thing that's maybe where it's at is that she's uncomfortable. And of course, I have to say, like Kristen Stewart to me, I mean, like she doesn't look like Scarlett Johansson. Like she's a very like girl next door type of look, right? Like she's more of like your regular lady, um, at least in this film. Like the way the makeup and hair and I don't know, um, and uh, and. I, it is interesting to watch somebody who is very grounded like her in this film where the vampire person that she falls in love with 
Edward. Like he is like almost like a caricature of a vampire. Like he's he's doing some weird shit in this film. Pat so is doing some weird shit. Like it's very emo, like the whole movie. <laughs> and he talks in the very emo way. Like he just like Everything he says, it just was so much pain. Like he would just be like, "Yeah, he's gonna cry." Like, yeah, at he's any like, moment. "I have to go," or like, "Oh, like I'm glad to see you." And he says a lot of things that are almost um, speaking to your um, what you said, Andy, about her finding also like her power. This is kind of confusing me when I was watching this film because a lot of times she comes off as like insecure lady, but it's not. It doesn't hint at the arc of her finding that strength at herself it just hints at like only that makes her cute like she's insecure and this is why he likes her like because he would be telling her things like i feel very protective of you i i like watching you sleep and when he tells her i can't read your mind read your mind and the first thing she says is something wrong with me like which is not the first response like he admittedly he says like should be coming from her so she's like very insecure kind of person right would you say that oh yeah definitely she's like super uncomfortable with in her own skin Mm -hmm. like she's awkward she's clumsy she's constantly falling tripping getting hurt meeting vampires like everything that could endanger her Mm -hmm. happens to her um but i think you're touching on a really important thing that i also wanted to mention is that for you know i mean i take twilight very seriously Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also like i don't take it seriously and the fact that this movie is like i don't want to say bad because i don't believe in that for this movie that label for this movie Mm -hmm. but the fact that they they have these cheesy lines and these crazy things happen like my mom and i will laugh at through the movie (laughs) you know we will laugh and cry at the same time watching this movie because it is beautiful it is it's melodramatic yeah it's it's melodramatic yeah and they do things that look weird and you know like they're constantly torturing themselves and it's it's just a movie that can make me laugh and cry kind of in the same moment is a pretty special movie in my opinion well yeah and i think um and we uh, we will get into why you think people don't like this which i think this you're in a way touching on but i think people just have weird standards for movies that they don't realize like we do have things like b movie and like the those uh monikers that i think are even more derogatory than they deserve because like this movie is not trying to be interstellar you know it's not trying to be so yeah shout out shout out (laughs) <laughs> it's like it, and a, a movie doesn't need to aspire to be like, um, have realistic dialogue and like, uh, you know, it doesn't need to aspire to be those things to be great. You know, is Indiana Jones not a great movie? Yes, but it is. Is it anything like Schindler's List, like in tone and in importance of subject matter and like the depth that goes into those themes? No, but does that make it any less great? So I think for the lane this movie is in. It's great. But if you were to go like, oh, does it compare to the dialogue of uh, this great of Parasite? And you're like, no, it's it's not it's not they're not even supposed to be compared because they were trying to achieve two different things. Yeah. And I don't sit down like about to watch Twilight thinking I'm watching Schindler's List. 
no way in hell. You know, I, I'm sitting down thinking. This isn't Schindler's <laughs> List. <laughs> Where's the little girl? Where's the little girl? You know, I, I'm I'm there, knowing that I'm gonna like feel happy. I'm gonna feel sad. I'm gonna laugh at how cheesy it is, and just like associate all these like warm fuzzy memories of previous times I've watched this movie. You know, so I'm not. I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, and I, I actually really like that it's imperfect. Um, when they were making it, they thought it was a little indie movie, you know, and then it blew up. You know, the first movie, like, lo- it looks different to the other movies. Okay, you know? so that that is that is the case that it was an indie movie when it came out. It was under an umbrella. Yeah, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the huge, huge, huge budget that the mm-hmm. subsequent movies went on to to have. You know, it had a smaller budget. I don't know exactly what it was, but. Um, you know, and the actors thought it was an indie movie as well. You know, they they were not aware that it was going to become this global phenomenon. You know, and it it feels a little like an indie movie. There's some special effects there going on, but like, yeah, I guess yeah. they're not overwhelming. Yeah, it's yeah, it's still a, a high budget movie, mm-hmm. but you know, as as far, as far as movies go, but um, not they didn't know that this would be a Hunger Games, a Maze Runner. Like this is at the start of those book book adaptations making huge franchises of movies. Yeah. Like, after this and Hunger Games is when they would be like, hey, let's put $120 million on this book series movie because it worked. But uh, I feel like at the start of this, there wasn't that confidence. Yeah. yeah, not as much. I mean, it was the director that did 13, and she brought in a lot of the actors that she worked with uh, on 13 into the Twilight series. Um, and that was cool for me to watch, you know, actors that I had seen in a different movie, you know, being, you know, this this film family of, you know, Catherine Hardwick and um, the actress who plays Rosalie was um, actually the one who kind of came up with the idea of 13, hmm. I believe. I believe in a thing called love. Yeah, it is interesting. The The budget, it says for Twilight, is $37 million, right? So it's not insane amount of money. It's like a medium, mm-hmm. medium-sized yeah. film. And especially at the time, like nowadays, things have shifted where the, those that size of movie doesn't even exist as much. Right. But at the time, yeah, that was like lower mid. So it's very interesting to me how Andy is describing her love for Twilight. In one, on one hand, it's funny. On the other hand, it's as emotionally impactful and deep there's here's the thing i watching this film made me also feel like there's just some programming in me that completely responds to everything they're giving me (laughs) as a woman as like a, a woman who like believes in romance and stuff like that i mean it's just like i'm given exactly what i'm meant to eat like vamp- like human blood to a vampire, you guys. Just like I'm meant to You don't want to. I don't but you want need to. It. But my programming my programming re- responds, like my 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 nervous system responds, my my breathing responds to this. And at the same time, I thought it was such like trash a lot of times like like at the same time like and i'm not saying i'm not comparing my experience to yours andy because i don't want to step on your uh, love and seriousness oh about no you it. you can't don't worry but it is the thing of like like i mean there's just and joe when you say like genre of course film doesn't have to sound like schindler's list film but there's certain lines that were just like insane in this film 
Like when he. Oh my god. Like yes. I mean, like when like uh, Edward says, I- "I'm the lion who fell for the lamb," and she says, "If you, I don't know if you remember, you can." <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. What is? Uh. I'm the lion. Fell, uh, what a sick sadomas- sadomasochistic lion or something like that. What a stupid lamb. What a sick sadomasochistic lion. They. Those are hilarious. That's part of what I love. It's so hilarious. <sighs> the thing is, like. <laughs> Those lines are the Arnold Schwarzenegger breaking a guy's neck, putting a blanket over his head and saying, oh, he's dead tired. Mm -hmm. Like, those movies wouldn't be those movies without those lines, although those lines are, like, silly and stupid. Mm -hmm. So I think this movie, too, if you took out that, it actually is not as good of a movie. It's more forgettable, probably. That's for sure. If nothing else. You know what I mean? It's just like another movie, whatever. Like, oh, teen- teenagers falling in love. But when they're so bold about how they talk about this, like, and there's certain angst and emotions that I, you know, I haven't spent lately a lot of time with like 15 year olds and 17 year olds. But I assume, I assume like that's something you enjoy like that kind of talk as in that age because the emotions are so deep right so you probably respond to that stuff a lot more i'm just guessing yeah like it's not a nuanced love story not. it's like i love you oh i love you too oh cool <laughs> like it, it's that i yeah. did want to bring up one thing that uh, a discussion that came up a lot and andy i want to know if you've heard about this or your thoughts on it a lot of people criticized Bella as the character, um, both in the movie and the book, for being, you know, pretty, like, one-dimensional or... Um, Passive, Kind of like just a mask. Yeah, just a, a mask of a person. And uh, the defense of that was, like, no, well, look at video games. This is essentially, like, the video game experience for women. Because someone like Master Chief in Halo is like almost nothing, but you want him to be just enough so you could project yourself on him. And that's what they said, oh, the Bella character is just serving that function. She's giving you just enough so that some a woman could reasonably be like, oh, I can feel like I'm that character. They're not making crazy choices that I wouldn't make. They're, I could be that, I could be in her body and all these good things happening to me. Yeah, I have a, I have a couple of, points to to respond to that i think um you're right you know absolutely we're we're supposed to put ourselves in bella's shoes we're supposed to go through her feelings and um i believe that like 50 percent of protagonists on screen are like that male female they're a little bland and some people like that some people don't i personally like her awkwardness i like her acting i know a lot of people have a lot of problems with like her affect um i personally just like love that it's so weird oh you mean when she (laughs) stumbles over every single word and mumbles half the time you can't hear what she said absolutely yeah (laughs) and also um i feel like there's this kind of preconceived notion that like women should show things and men can get away with having a flat affect and it's fine Um, you know, there's so many, like, male protagonist characters that are just, like, nothing. There is nothing there, but we don't criticize them because, like, like, men are supposed to be stoic. And we expect a woman to be, like, emotional and, like, and, and be doing the acting thing. Whereas men can just easily just be like, no, I'm just not gonna do it. I'm gonna mumble my lines into my beard, and that's it. Yeah, and that was the big, 
uh, criticism was like, hey, you people don't criticize all these male characters who have served that function for so long. Just now that you're seeing this female-centric thing, you're deciding to criticize it. Um, and I do kind of feel... I think thing movie, the movie still plays, but it, it everything comes a little easy for them. But I think that's the fun of it, is like you're seeing these people fall in love, and that's exciting. And yeah, it is difficult that he's a vampire and all that, but it's pretty easy as far as like, I want to be with you, I want to be with you too, we're doing it. Um, so I think that's what people really latch on to, is like thinking, oh, I could find a love like that. That's that easy and the hardest thing about it is not <laughs> like actually loving each other. It's uh, everything around uh, it. Yeah, everything yeah. around it, evil Very creatures. Romeo and Juliet, right? Yeah. yeah, and in fact, like, the, the voiceover in the movie, which is Bella's voice, it's like her diary, which kind of goes along with that teenage angsty, like, this is my journal kind of vibe, really works. And they use quotes from Romeo and Juliet mm. in, like, later voiceover, not in the first one, but, like, later on. Um, and it, they just, like, they, they totally buy into this cheesy vampire love uh, Romeo and Juliet, teenage angst, they just buy into it, and they feed you everything you need, like you were saying, Sasha, like, you just, you respond, like, this is exactly what I wanted, mm -hmm. great, thank you, it mm -hmm. feels good to know what's gonna happen, and, like, how they're gonna react, and, you know, to me, I like knowing what's gonna go on next, you know, I think that's why I rewatch things a lot, <laughs> you know, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Because I was going to say, yeah, like when I have in my brain the response of like, oh, I am emotionally responding to it. It's almost like the ancient, the lizard brain, sort of my basal gangway responding to that. But my frontal cortex. Shout out. Shout out. Shout basal, out to the basal, basal gangway. gangway. <laughs> like, I'm going to name my child if I ever want that. Uh, basal gangway <laughs> is the middle. Yeah. And um, but but the frontal cortex is like this shit is fucked up. Girl, this shit is out of control. Like, that's what the frontal cortex is screaming. Like, when her dad... And by the way, here's my s main point I want to make. I like the two leads, but the auxiliary characters, I find them all just... just I, I can't digest any of them. The like, humans and the vampires? Uh, mostly, mostly vampires, but then her dad and her mom, too. Like, her dad, I mean, like, he's just... He just, like... He's very one-note, and... I guess all he needed to say is to call her beautiful because at the end when he calls his daughter beautiful, it's like, well, finally, now we have something in common. Like, I mean, like, like something to talk about. Like it was, it was, it was just like weird, this relationship that they were trying to create. Like, I love me, that dad. It's, yeah. We're a big is, fan of the dad character. It's very fan. Americana dad. It's like a very specific Americana dad, but it is that it's like this very specific type of dad who's like wants to connect, but like literally can't get out of their like almost animalistic, like just one note kind of behaviors very one note uh, like small town cop kind of guy yeah but i love the performance because he's just doing this one like we're gonna eat at the the dinner thing uh, i gotta be a good dad here's the tires but he you can tell there's so much going on behind that but he just doesn't could you yeah i thought his performance okay. it, the dad's performance is one of the best in the movies as far as like just straight up acting i think i i was comparing him to stranger things because in stranger things is the one that i was referring to earlier i thought like it was like really similar character in some ways right like the main cop guy anybody watches stranger things here 
Um, um yeah, uh, Hopper. Yeah, right? yeah, right. Or yeah, Hopper's a bit of a different character because Hopper's has to fill like a. He's more of a like hero an role type character. That's well, like he's struggling to be good. He also is like right. he is a hero type in it versus the dads. But in That's the beginning, the I guess because he went through a trauma and he had lost uh, a kid, I believe. But I, I feel like I, I understand the Americana. I guess maybe the problem for me was with the acting of the dads. But it's interesting that you think it was the best acting. And I'm curious to hear what you think of other auxiliary characters. Because the old vampires to me are insanely badly cast. And starting with the dad the dad of the fam because like you know they, he, who really loves yeah. the family aka the fam is essentially what he's built around him it is yeah, and it, they're just people him. he's poisoned this i think what you're kind of overall getting at is what i call the pokemon effect Tell myself me. which so pokemon you know people love pokemon you throw pikachu out they fight but then as you actually question it it starts to be fucked up <laughs> And you're like, wait, they stay in the ball? Do they want to fight? Are they like slaves? Who eats? <laughs> do, they, we, do we eat Pokemon? Because I don't see any animals. And the show never wants you to answer the, ask those questions. It's not really the point. But it's the same thing with this movie. You're like, oh, yeah, the vampires, they fall in love. These vampires sparkle. And they, but then you're like, wait a minute. But he's 100. They don't get past their adolescent mental age. It's all fucked up. Like... I'm just. It's a little. It's, it is a good. I like your Pokemon effect uh, theory. I I understand that, but there's certain. I, I'm not here trying to find something wrong with the movie. I'm just watching the vampire dad and saying, "What the fuck!" Like it just stops me <laughs> in my tracks. Like he doesn't like. He looks like out of place, but not in the vampire way. Like he kind of looks miscast to me. Um, to me, that I agree with you in a weird way, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these vampires because you're more connected with them, Andy. But I think all the vampire characters just look so creepy and odd age. that and I, yeah, I just don't like looking at them I don't as like, actors. I don't like looking at them. Andy, tell us, <laughs> change our minds. I mean, they're definitely supposed to look odd, mm -hmm. and they're supposed to look apart, and you're supposed to have that uneasy feeling. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's really successful, you yeah. know? Like, these are vampires. There's a reason why no one likes them without really knowing why. Um, as, opposed, as for the casting, I mean... I really enjoy the casting of them, and it never bothered me. Um, I think in my mind, and maybe at some point, I was like, oh, I thought they would be more attractive. Mm -hmm. But then just the fact that they were kind of odd, facially, w like, works for me. Mm -hmm. And they are attractive actors, mm -hmm. you know, like, but there's something, the eye color, and I think it is by design, you know, that they look a little weird. The paleness, the eye colors, but that doesn't change the fact that I don't want to look at them. Look, I mean, Robert Pattinson is a very handsome man, right? And no wonder Trump was texting or whatever, posting on Twitter, uh, like, you should leave that woman, you're a better man, when, when, when Kristen Stewart cheated on uh, Robert. Like, he was very, like, uh, supposedly Trump tweeted, like, n endlessly about their relationship. Yeah. Because he was also uh, probably in love secretly with Pattinson, and uh, he was appalled by the cheating of Kristen Stewart. Um, 
I mean, look. He is the uh, mind of a teenager, too. Exactly. And I mean, look, <laughs> you know, the lead, Edward looks very dreamy for somebody who is his age. Like, he looks very dreamy. You know, he's doing weird shit with his face. I mean, is he, like, overacting for sure? The other, but he is interesting. Like, to me, he's interesting. And maybe, like, I forgive a lot of things because he's very cute in this movie. But then all the other vampires, they seem like actors doing the vampire thing that they were told to do. I don't know. This is just, like, my, like, whatever. Well, they're, they're very, it's, it's almost, it's almost theatrical because each vampire is, like, uh, we have the quirky one, and then we have the sexy one, and then we have the muscular jock one, and the then we have one. the angsty one that like has PTSD, you know, in the corner, <laughs> you know. And so they're very like tropey, mm-hmm. you know, that they're very like charactery. And I mean, I, I like that personally. Okay. To me, that makes them that gives them like interesting depth. Versus them all having like a homogenous vampire feel. When you talk about it, it makes me like want to see that. Like I'm like, wow. But I did not pick up on all the diversity of points of view and archetypes when I was watching. I did not pick up on that. Oh, see, like, my mom and I, when we watch it, we're like, oh, Emmett doing his thing. Like, oh, you know, like, because he's, like, the goofy one who's, like, punching the air. And he's, like, always, like, posturing and, like, being all buff. Yeah, then the distrustful girl who's just always, like... Right, the distrustful girl, I picked up on that, yes. And then the, the, the one who could... Who's chipper... Ashley Green's character. But I I think what it bothers me about kind of them, if I had to nitpick it, is how almost like sitcom-y it feels whenever they're there. Like you have these brooding uh, melodramatic scenes between Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. Lots of montages, like, lots of montages. Yeah, then they're like, come come meet my parts and they meet the parents and the parents are like, we're cooking, oh, hello. Well, never cooked and for a parents, human. And the whole, whole whatever, hundreds of years and they were cooked for a human. Yeah, this you've is the, never cooked? This is the time they do it? Yeah, and it's like kind of, they seem so jovial and I get they're trying to make her comfortable, but there's almost something like, this is all so easy for everybody. You're just like, the first human you cook for and let into your life, you're just like, yeah, we'll just do it. I think that's what bothers me a little bit about it. It's like all so easy. Just like their relationship. Yeah, we all want it. Except I, for the one girl, but she doesn't do anything to thwart it in any real way. It's the the evil vampires. Well, I think that's, that's the fact that they accept Edward and Bella's relationship is just a testimony to their bond and the fact that you know edward has never done this with anyone before you know this is the very first time that he has found a a mate quote unquote and then these vampires clearly they mate for life like they find their their pair what are every woman's fantasy i mean just like guy just like right away he mates for life like right away (laughs) right off the bat yeah like that that's <laughs> such a relief for so many women that are like i'm tired of playing games mm-hmm. like you have this guy that's like this is it we mate for life babe like yeah, you know i love you yeah mm-hmm. like that is such a relief like that knowing that that person and that family are there for you regardless of anything and they would give their lives and mm-hmm. and do all this crazy shit to protect you like that's that's really awesome and cool and like I'm, i want that that's nice. i mean yeah that that is what <laughs> i responded to but my question is why did they fall in love first of all it was very confusing like there wasn't the process of them falling in love there was like him i don't like how much i like you 
like and like really kind of mean way and then all of a sudden he just goes zero to 60 and stop starts like going insanely stocky over her and super protective like there wasn't like a thing that like make him like why i I still want to know because i probably won't watch any more twilight movies in my lifespan so would you tell me why a he cannot read her mind and two why did he fall in love with her what is so special is that why he fell in love with her like i mean like i know why i fall in love like why i fell in love with jay like i know why but i feel like in the movies in the storytelling there's always like a reason why usually a reason why two people fall in love i mean why does anyone fall in love i think love is super complicated and i and i think that there's a chemical part i think there's a relational part and um in twilight um bella's blood makes him they they use like this latin term later on but it makes him sing like her blood is what he craves like he's never had that desire or that draw to anyone her blood what's like she could be a shithead and then he'd still be like i really love her because the blood right like essentially that's i don't know maybe but I, i think it's a combination of things it's it's a he can't read her mind and that's something he's never encountered. And why before. is that? Do we know? So later on, uh, when she becomes a vampire, it's revealed that that that's the key to her superpower. Her superpower is that she's a shield. She no one's powers really work over her except um, uh, the power of foresight that Ashley Green's Got character it. has. So yeah, I can't remember where I was going. Sorry. With this. Uh, yeah. So uh, she can. Why he loves? Yeah, her. he can read her mind. And then, like, just shoot... Because they see each other across the parking lot, right? And uh, something <laughs> happens in that chemistry. So he wants her blood that we know he would like... Like, if it was Donald Trump there in the parking lot, he would probably want his blood as well. Like, that's how hot that blood is for him. Adrenochrone. Well, and I think uh, they do have their meet-cute moment, which is more so the uh, when they are looking at the specimens and having their little back-and-forth of... Hey, mm-hmm. or do you want to te- check it's my cute. answers? So I think that's like this scene that's like, hey, these are two people who would enjoy each other's company. I really, I get the, um, uh, I always forget, the Robert Pattinson liking Kristen Stewart because of the blood. Like, he, that makes total sense to me. Like, a vampire is just like, no, this is it, the pheromones, essentially. Mm-hmm. I don't get why she yeah. <laughs> goes all in for him right sure, away. he's attractive um they did have their meet cute moment but like she's ready to like give it all away for this guy is so that much a component? so just to add to that pile that when he, he says i kill people i've killed people she says no wor- don't worry about it that's cool i'm yeah cool she's with so that. sold she is so sold. i'm like are they gonna show like a moment of her face like oh i shouldn't but uh what people were they bad people like tell me how bad is it a dexter thing or not no she just goes don't worry about it you kill people no, no worries there so andy explain, explain <laughs> i love that that's hilarious it's so true though you know and and i think uh so yeah we have the chemical thing going on between her blood and his being a vampire they're both like genetically designed to be attracted to each other basically um but also remember bella's never fit in like bella's also not a normal human like she's very different from all the other human characters um but she's still very different from all the vampire characters too you know and and i feel like they find common ground in this 
in their common differences, I guess. Um, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I don't think it's, it's kind of like one of those love at first sight kind like of things. Like you can't Julia necessarily thing. explain mm-hmm. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It, and is it just playing by the rule that we even see with many male protagonists where, okay, here's the hot love interest. She does not need to do anything, but all the male viewers are like, well, yeah, I'd be into that. Is, is it just playing into that? Yeah. I mean, why do you give someone their number? Why do you fall in love with someone? You know, I mean, I don't still, <laughs> still haven't, <laughs> you know, I mean, here's, could you just make another point, random point about how cheesy this movie is? So here's the thing. When you talk about vampires, the problem, the problem with vampires, you guys in the movies is that we've seen so many, right? There's so many different vampires we've seen. So it's kind of hard to be like, how do we present these vampires in the way that we're like, refreshing but also like not out there that I totally buy it and there's there's no point does this movie embrace this the fact that vampires are also like undead right they're dead and they're gross and in some ways grossness should be part of this right because it's like it's like repelling but it's also attractive in the same time when they were giving a chance to show something gross about the vampires when he when Edward says to Bella, I'm going to go into the sunlight and you'll see, you'll fucking see why, why we, why we are the worst, why we can't ever be. I'm like, they're going to, they're going to do some special effect. We're going to see some rotten flesh. We're going to see some ooze. We're going to see some messed up holes in the body. No, he starts shimmering with diamond dust all over his And face. it has its own like song to it too. It's, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry, you become a little bit more attractive when you go into the sunlight. This is how fucking cheesy this is. Yeah, I and, know, it's and hilarious. That, was... that is one of the funniest parts of the movie is when he like throws her on his back and then like glide he up the hill in oh, a smooth glides. motion. It's so no jostling. Cheesy CG, yeah. And then yeah. I mean there there's amazing spin-off movies that are that are hilarious of this movie, you know. Because it's so funny. You know, he turns around and he's like, look at me, I'm so hideous. And he's like a disco ball. It's important to note why that's in the movie. (laughs) It's because that was the, the, Stephanie Myers had a dream of a vampire who shimmered. And then she's like, oh, I'll write a story about that. So that part, no doubt, is just from like a dream, which everybody knows dreams are so stupid and crazy. So I, I think the fact that you're even calling it out is hilarious. Um, because it does come from some place that isn't that like, it's not like she was thinking, how can I change vampires? She just had a dream. But I think there is precedent in vampire stories and movies to change the rules. I think we're so used to rules because we've had like decades and decades of cinema and books. But if you go back and like look at the big moments of vampires, there was constant change that was kind of crazy like oh all of a sudden he's a ladies man and that wasn't the the way vampires were seen at all that he was ugly and uh didn't use luring like we even think that the the uh, vampire luring mm -hmm. is like something that's oh they can lure women with their sight that's like something that's canon it's like no some a filmmaker i forget even where that one came from it's like no they just decided to do that i think bram stoker's dracula like the book and then the movie uh is what changed this perception of vampires from like these like hideous monsters to oh no they're super hot yeah yeah and then there's been changes since then too dust till dawn had a totally different type of vampire 
Um, so I think it's like it's part of the the genre and those monsters, but we're just seeing it like saying, "Hey, how can we make it more horrifying?" Versus, how can we make it more uh, satisfy the love story? But it is a bit odd that he doesn't realize that, that like, no, that's not gross. It might be strange. It might be bizarre, but it's like not disgusting that you shimmer. Well, he's just stuck in this space of, you know, I hate myself. I hate the fact that I am a monster. He's very repulsed by the fact that he's a vampire. But there's constant female gaze on him. Like, the female gaze on the camera is just all on him. Like, I mean, he is in the spotlight, you know, not her, which is, of course, you know, groundbreaking, I guess, maybe in some ways. It's like he's the hottie of this film. Like, this is what we're drooling over, and this is all mostly for cis female audience, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Is it yeah. true that Fifty Shades of Grey was the uh, originated as the fan fiction of Twilight and then eventually became its own thing? That like That's what I had heard, but I I don't know if that was just like a rumor that became That truth. Edward is actually like the main guy from Fifty Shades Mr. of Grey. Mr. Grey. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes total sense because the Cullens are rich, powerful, attractive, you know. And he has specific sex rules where mm-hmm. he doesn't want to have sex yet. Are you a fan of Fifty Shades of Grey? I've never seen it. Uh, me neither. Yeah. I didn't really like... I think I saw the first two and mm-hmm. I just didn't... I didn't think they were very good. They're not the same as this. Like, mm-hmm. for the problems that this has, we're just talking about a whole other set <laughs> of, like, genuine problems that Fifty Shades of Grey has. <laughs> Seemingly no understanding of BDSM or kink culture at all, yet yeah. wading in those waters. You know, it's it's this kind of, like, traditional concept of romance and courting that is very romantic. So, because Edward is from another time, he still believes in this concept of courting. And, you know, he introduces himself to Bella's father. He wants an official introduction. And he's very polite about it and, you know, treats her... With the, uh, he's stalkerish for sure, and and like hangs out and watches her sleep, which is not quite the the thing. <laughs> not safe, but <laughs> yeah, but he's there to you know to be like, okay, I would like to try and kiss you, you know. And I think this like sexual tension and you know romantic courting and respect is is very sexy, you know. And then the fact that you know she really wants him. But he is very adamant on the fact that, A, he doesn't want to murder her and is worried about his passion getting away from him. And, you know, he wants to marry her. You know, he wants to have marriage before sex. And there's something very old-worldy and romantic about that put in this, like, context of, like, vampires in, in our kind of time. And he also... Uh, there's no way to, like, just avoid this metaphor... His biggest challenge in the movie is to what seems like to pull out because he because the whole <laughs> yeah. I mean this is what the metaphor is like if he the biggest challenge for him becomes to uh, suck out the poison blood given by another vampire which is the worst by the way antagonist of all time that like I was like what uh, we can talk about it separately that yeah that's that was the point I was going to bring up of like what I think's the weakest but uh part. but but it's just about the pulling out so Edward has to suck out the poisonous blood from Bella uh, but he has to find enough will to stop before he kills her or maybe turns her and it is about pulling out 
there's a really yeah you, I mean I think it's a really interesting uh, point because there's this whole like issue that they're raising by by being like okay there's a problem here with male passion you know mm-hmm. and it's in, it's a danger to this woman and I think that's that's a really interesting area to to dissect it's not usually like at the forefront of my mind when I'm watching the movie I'm just kind of like going along for a ride mm-hmm. um, but it's there it's totally there it's very obvious and I think that's just with any vampire story that's been the thing you know because <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's about sex. It's about you know man controlling woman and sucking blood and all that good stuff. Um, so it, it's a huge part of the vampire like trope is this like problem with male passion. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like the mm-hmm. the the idea of like sex is always on teenage boys' mind, and in this case, it's like blood. Bella's blood is always on his mind. So like even when they're there and he's like holding her hand, he's thinking like I want to suck this girl's blood the way a teenage boy is like, what can I do to bang this chick right now? And that's and in, like, in case you didn't know, that is what they're all thinking. Joe's here to tell you. But <laughs> I I am sorry to, I'm sorry to tell you any teenage boy who you're dating, if you're a teenager listening to this, he's only thinking about that. That's what my brother told me when time. I was a teenager and I was like, yeah. it can't be true. <laughs> Even when the guy is looking, is seeming like he's being nice or awesome, mm-hmm. he is thinking about sex and. I did not uh, know that for out. a long time as a you know young woman, and, yeah, that's a, and it's, it's it's hard to accept as a woman because that's not what you were thinking. You were thinking, how can he think of me in a way that I become the most undeniable woman in the whole world. Like, which is that the movie kind of feeds into that. Like, uh, patriarchy, like, has taught us, or women has taught ourselves to, to be like, how can I be so special that the man would just can't help himself? Like, which is what is happening to him. Like, he cannot help himself. Everything tells Edward, in, in kind of, vampires don't really, like, stand up against that like they should be actually stand up a lot more against that but they're like okay no problem um but everything is like it's it's not good for him to fall in love with this girl but he can't help himself because he lives so, so, so much and that's it is very attractive like in in terms of um you know just like female overall like what we've been fed for millennia and it's yeah, happening absolutely. it's happening yeah, I mean, the, the only sort of slightly redeeming quality that Edward has is that he's hot. He hates himself for it, and he's hot. Yeah, yeah. he's actually aware. He, of he it. He hates himself for it. He's very aware of it. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it for anyone else. Um, you know, that's I would say the only redeeming part. <laughs> Joe, do you want to talk about the antagonist? Yeah. So the the part of the movie that I think is kind of the weakest is once the antagonists enter, Absolutely. which they, I mean. They, they're they're present early on as far as like you know they they they're Killing mentioned in folks. the story you see them, but then you have all this love stuff going on. You're like, okay, this is a fun story, but then it becomes you're like, how much more movie is there left once the bad guys <laughs> and come? And it's over like, two hours have, long. Yeah, you're like they they have to fight bad guys now, and you're like, I don't I didn't even feel like that was what this movie is or why I'm enjoying this movie. Mm, absolutely. So once it's in that part. I, I don't hate it. I don't think it's like so poorly done, but just in general, they I'm lost like, me. They this lost like me. slows down the. It grinds the movie to a halt because now I feel like I have to watch a whole other movie that's an like action movie, <laughs> where the action has not been cool. That hasn't been the part that I've liked about <laughs> no. this. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, it was funny. I mean, this time watching it in preparation for the show, I just had an a excuse. little bit of... You just wanted an excuse. Oh, God, yeah, of course <laughs> I watched it for the show. I wanted to be prepared. Um, but I had a different, like, eye when I was watching it. I had a little bit more of an analytical eye, and I did, for the first time ever, I noticed that shift. I noticed that shift from... Talk about that scene, the shift. Romance to the the greater vampire world. I mean, it's, it's all woven in there, you know? Yeah, it's no surprise. Yeah, there's this mystery that's going on in town where people are dying, being mauled by a bear or an animal. They don't know what it is. So it's, it's woven in there. It's not a huge surprise. But really, the vampire world busts open... Um, when Bella is fully accepted into the family as a member and they cook for her, like you were talking about that cheesy moment. Um, and the woman tries that food. It's kind of a, kind of a waste. I know. I know. I hate yeah, seeing people she, waste food. Yeah. yeah they're, <laughs> but they're I mean, there's nothing weak about Kim Gigande in yet another like topless role. Like, I that, love Kim Gigande. Yeah. So. Like let's have that. Why? This is the movie for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, I, I'm not bothered by the antagonists. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy them, and they're very important for the the rest of the story to continue. And it is a good, it is an important story turn, just as as far as like the skill of storytelling. You're like, oh, everything's good. You have what you want. Oh, but remember, it's not that easy. It's actually going to be more dangerous. Here's an example of that danger. But I'm like, this is like seemingly in a different genre. Of movie, I was like, the moment the chase, well, they started, they, pl- they started after the dinner, they started playing the baseball, right, like the vampire bait. I was like, okay, okay, it's still like in the fun and games of it all. Like we're still not hitting the midpoint, where like everything is gonna change. So we, they're playing this very unusual, you know, vampire baseball where it, things are moving so fast and there's so much impact from the ball. You know, nothing's falling apart, but things are you know blowing around it's as loud as thunder yet the baseball bat and baseball remain intact yes and and, and i'm like okay (laughs) and then the vampires show up that these vampires never met they never met which also is kind of like a little weird to me that they never met them like they i mean it's like so how big is this vampire world that they haven't met or like i don't know i needed like a little bit of backup like so they just been like side by side but they never met it's all right they were traveling they were traveling through so that was the first time in there in that city okay and so uh they uh of course sniff out kristen stewart and right away we cut to a scene where pattinson is driving her away because he's like we gotta go and he's driving her and i'm like what is going on who is this why is this person the tracker, James, I believe, right? Like, why is he such a dangerous... Like, I, I just I just didn't see enough of him, no, no matter how interwoven that story was, of the world, the greater world part of the story. I just didn't see enough of him to be like, whoa, she's in fucking danger. What about you guys? There's definitely a moment where they pack in a lot of exposition as they're driving away and they're like, he's a tracker, blah, 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 blah. All my reactions, they set him off in the field. We're never going to stop. We got to kill him, you know? And um, it's not delicately done. I agree with you. I I agree that that moment is rushed. And um, yeah, I I think it's just about that moment where it's a stare off between Edward and the tracker. Mm -hmm. It's just that stare off moment. Mm -hmm. 
and that he then explains to her as he's rushing her away. But yeah, I, I, I wish there was a better way to do that moment. Yeah, I think for me, like, the tension's a little lost because it's like, no, this is a love story. You've already, like, proven to me this is a love story and not, like... And it's, the mo other movies kind of develop into some battle stuff and, and whatnot, from what I understand. But at that moment, it's like, oh, no, they're going to be fine. This just seems like a waste of time. There are some good... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying I hate that part or that section, even. Um, but it is the part that I'm like, this doesn't feel like it belongs. <laughs> They're doing a lot of telling. Like, the leader of that trio of vampires is just like, yeah, he's really dangerous. Um, I can't even control him. That's as much as everybody needs to know. <laughs> Bye. And then you're like, okay, I guess he's dangerous. But, yeah, it's it gets a little, like, just uninteresting to me. It's this idea that, like we've been lulled into this false sense of security with vampires and like, these are safe vampires. These are nice vampires. These are okay. They sparkle. They're nice. And then we get this flip side of like, those are even, those are special vampires. Those are very different vampires. You know, like the, like it, it's just, it's just another challenge to Edward and, and Bella's relationship and challenges Bella's decision to, to be in this relationship. Yeah. I think there is a good story mechanic to it. But I think there's uh, something in the details that's off about it. And of course, as he's driving Bella and he's uh, delivering uh, all this exposition, which of course is always, as we know as writers, is always best delivered when there's something intense going on on screen and it's them driving. Um, he tells her... Uh, <laughs> the intense action of driving <laughs> yes. down a straight road. Saves the exposition. <laughs> uh, saves the exposition delivery. And Bella, of course, like, I want to save my dad. I can't just leave. I need to make sure my dad is okay. So they come by the house to, I assume, to save the dad. Instead, she says insulting things to her dad out of nowhere. So heartbreaking. So heartbreaking. heartbreaking Instead of saving him. And then, like, they leave anyway. That was, that was, this, it is weak, but that was her saving him. Right, because, yeah, of that course, works for me. Well, that but it's like, it's stupid. I have to get back home because he'll go attack my dad. It's like, he might still attack your dad just because you left. Like, right, so nothing like gets resolved. Thought. It's more like she had to be mean to him. And then Pattinson explains for viewers like me who were like, what the fuck did she just do? He goes to Bella. Well, you did it so that he doesn't stop you because you were, like, mean to him on purpose, just like mom was, like your mom was when she divorced him or whatever. So um, I was like, oh, I see. That's why. Cool. Thanks, Pattinson. Um, so that was, uh, I don't know, like, that was also, like, a moment where I was like, well, now we don't know if the dad is in danger. And, of course, like, now they need a big... Um, uh, set piece scene so everybody agrees on the fact that they need to go to this ballet studio because of course we find out this very traumatic relationship between Bella and dancing and how she wasn't like a popular ballet dancer when she was little right and like 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 mess her up would that be you never even knew anything about ballet with her <laughs> then all of a sudden they're like wow this place is really important <laughs> ballet studio <laughs> yeah I think I mean to me it wasn't super relevant the whole ballet part it was just you know, the tracker wanted a cool place to sit to and the stage director. his thing. And the yeah. director. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, so it wasn't, like, really motivated, but it was convenient because that's where, you know, the one of the vampires that conveniently has a semi-future uh, foretelling ab ability, like, 
says that that's where he would send uh he would want to go to this ballet studio so it, indeed everything works out and they end up in this ballet studio where instead of killing her or turning her he starts first playing her a video of her when she was a little girl james right like he's playing bella a video and then he starts filming her and i was like i'm i'm, I'm out of here well i wasn't yeah. out of there but in my mind i was out of there that was the lowest point in terms of storytelling for me in this film. It feels like that whole, like, from the driving in the car on feels a little, like, early drafty, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you have a lot of, the, like, the moments you need, but I don't think these are quite the ones you want to use. Like, maybe is there somewhere more important than the ballet studio? And isn't there, like, does he have to be filming her? <laughs> like, wait, the ballet seemed to be so fucking important, but I'm like, since when? I think this is where it kind of takes a little bit of a, a horror kind of mm-hmm. feel for me. I don't particularly like horror movies because they scare me too much. This is as horror as it gets for me these days. <laughs> you know, Sparkling. <laughs> Sparkling yeah, like this is as creepy as I really like to get. And you know, these sort of things happen in horror movies all the time. Like, like you mean don't watch. It's a person do who doesn't watch. You don't watch horror movies. <laughs> you don't know what they. But, like, things don't necessarily, like, it makes sense to the bad guy because he wants to do some, like, weird fucked up shit. So he does the weird fucked up shit, and because he's a bad guy, he's just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. In theory, but we don't know enough about him. Yeah, we don't, we would, this would be cool to see him film, even in one of the killing scenes, they're like, the killer left a videotape, whatever, you know, it's like, oh, this guy does it. It's not that important, but it is, like, I think everything just seems a little, like, shit thrown at the wall versus really working together in that last part which is why i get a little like let's just see you defeat him and like then what and then i want to see what you guys are going to do what's your relationship look like that's all i care about yeah i mean i I guess the whole weird uh scenario works for me because james for him it's a game they've said it they said it out loud they said this is a game for him so it makes sense that it kind of feels theatricalized and and put on and and weird yeah i do think there's a lot that it does make sense about it i think it's just like the lack of impact but as we um near the end i kind of want to get your sense of one like what would you tell people who have written this movie off and like why do you think this movie people aren't able to jump into this movie and enjoy it in the terms you do because you're not taking it seriously you're just like this is a good time movie yeah um so I have some idea thoughts on that, but what are, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I definitely, I like I totally see where you guys are coming from. Like I'm not watching this movie with blinders on and like rose tinted glasses. Like I I see the flaws, and but that's what I love about mm-hmm. it. You know, I love that. You know, my mom and I can sit down and you know have a completely distracting situation like movie that'll take us out of whatever. If we're having a bad day, we can sit down and watch this movie. It'll transport us. We'll laugh. We might cry. We might feel like crying because there's emotional moments. It's silly. And there's fun characters. And there's this journey. And and to me, the pros and the cons, they kind of all mix together. Because I, I like all the good and the bad. You know, I like the fact that Bella stutters and is like, but you can't. No, no, no. You know, and I like the fact that Edward is just like, myself you know like for me you know watch it to make fun of it even you know do a hate watch 
Like, it's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm all about. I understand hate watch. Like, I, hate watch is not something I stay away from. Uh, my favorite movie, one of the favorite movies of all time, aside from Interstellar, which I love dearly, uh, is Room. Like Room, like the the Room. Yeah. So, but like, I watch it at least once a year because it's like one of my favorite movies of all time, and I only hate watch it. Yeah, and there's such a culture of hate watching this movie that they made a movie to to make fun of it. Mm-hmm. There's like a whole a cult, it's called Vampires Suck. <laughs> You know, and and it did really well, and people love that movie. You know, and so, so yeah, I, I guess that's my pitch for for people who are a little bit on the fence about it: is watch it, have fun, laugh at it, because it's hilarious. Yeah, I would say this is like a good bad movie. You know, they say like mm-hmm. uh, bad bad movies that are like no, it's bad, and like it's not even watchable. Like boring or just like upsetting or yeah. Yeah, and you, you'll see like Lamageddon, uh, and I actually haven't seen Lamageddon, so I don't want to talk shit about it. But it's usually movies like that that you're like, oh, this Battlefield Earth. Again. Yeah, it's like oh, could this be interesting? And then sometimes they're not this, and I wouldn't even say it's bad, but I think for many people is like the good bad, like get a beer with your buddy, watch it, laugh. We were laughing the whole time and yeah. like howling and, and stuff like that. No pun intended. And also like the the characters are delicious. You know, like I know you didn't like the, the dad character, but for me, he is delicious. Mm. Like he's such a good actor. Uh, that character is so real. Like, I feel like that's my uncle, you know, like, it, and the mom character, this like harebrained kind of like, weird hippie mom character baseball wife Mm -hmm. yeah they're you know even these small (laughs) characters anna kendrick is in this movie guys she forgot about it she's big but (laughs) yeah she's like in a a lot of this movie too and like all the high school characters are funny like the science teacher loves being a science teacher and he's like a great science teacher you know all these like little juicy characters are just i don't know i feel like they're really well-rounded and a joy to watch just Mm -hmm. kind of on their own that's awesome should we go to the final part of this episode where we do a quick rating of the film we do our own scale i don't know if andy familiar joe would you explain to andy what that is yeah so the scale system we're going to scale rate this movie from one to ten using the scale uh you're choosing something else it can be anything it could be blood you think blood is a 10 <laughs> and you think this movie is a 7 it could be it could be another movie which it usually is an, another movie <laughs> it's or usually something. more normal than that yes um but it can be anything just so we get a sense of uh, of where you're at so and and we can go first usually right just to give you a, a yeah why a don't sense you go first joe it. yeah if you have something Okay, so I'm going to kind of scale rate it on another movie that's maybe considered uh, good-bad. I think that would be a good way to do it. Uh, let's say Tremors 2. I think Tremors 2 is... Uh, <laughs> it sounds familiar, but I don't know what Tremors 2 so, No one has any idea So Tremors, Tremors, you know, is the classic horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to use that one because that one, I think, has, like, mm-hmm. really gone to classic status. But Tremors 2 is a 10. Mm-hmm. I think this movie uh, is an 8. Hi. I think it is a really fun watch. I think it has... This is why we're together. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. I think... It has a lot of baggage to it, just being based off of, like, a blog story. Then, um, you know, the the 
the hype around all the movies because it was very popular let's not get that wrong but there's still we have friends who like if you even mention twilight in any sort of like film respect way they'll scoff you know because it's like no it's twilight it's nothing Mm -hmm. it's less than nothing and i think it's just because the baggage people have from it being so big it's kind of like someone getting into star wars now like if you've never seen a star wars you're like do i want to fucking watch this when there's like nine movies and everybody's arguing about it everybody has opinions about it yeah yeah and you're like "Uh, i feel like i have to take in all that with it versus like no just watch the first twilight don't even worry about the others and and have a good time with it so yeah i think it is a really fun watch i would rewatch it again uh, not necessarily anytime soon and it would be with a couple beers but it is one of those uh, movies that i think i could laugh at and has quite a few good moments or as andy would put it with your own personal brand of heroin because that is the line from <laughs> from the film you're like my own personal brand of heroin oh, <laughs> Great. Eight. All right. So um, I will just mention the room. And I keep saying the room, but I can't remember if it's room or the room. I think it's the I know. There's like three movies that are room. Right. But I'm talking about, of course, Tommy Wiseau's classic. And to me, that is the, of all time, like, in terms of bad, good, bad movies, it's a 10. Because it has such a great repeat watch quality where every line just makes me laugh. Um, there's nothing redeeming or endearing about it. It's just wrong, all over wrong, and it's hilarious. (laughs) I'm actually happy that I saw Twilight. So thank you for that, Andy, because I would not have seen it otherwise. I don't think so. I have, though, a lot of problems with it because, I mean, like, to start off, I have problems with Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, auxiliary characters. I also have a problem with the directing. Like, a lot of times it's, like, so staged where, for example, towards the end... Edward finally takes uh, Edward takes Bella to prom. By the way, she's wearing the boot. The boot, her broken leg and the boot, which is exactly what I've been wearing for two months. That was my most exciting <laughs> moment. I was like, she's wearing the boot! Uh, <laughs> like me! But he takes her to the prom and he like puts her on the... Uh, he like leaves her on the bench. He says, I'll be right back. It was like a bad improv scene. He leaves immediately... Jacob walks over like it was like this guy leaves so that this character can come in and they have a yeah. conversation like I mean the directing is just a lot of times it's like I'm watching it's just one example but I'm happy I saw it I don't think to me it has a lot of uh, repeat watch um, potential there I don't think I would want to see it again I also feel almost like upset that I did respond emotionally to all this like what I felt sometimes were like not maybe very feminist not like this movie has to be feminist uh but like they were just like this movie in many levels was working against my better i don't know understanding of what the world is so i will give it a four it's slightly lower than the neutral but at some point i would tell you that you know what first half was a six. First half was a six Mm, yeah, like I could see myself watching it up to the first half and then like walking away, you know, going to play video games upstairs while you finish the rest. So I could see that. Yeah, I, I really like the first, the brewing relationship and I, and I was like so, so buying into it. When it comes to like the big, the greater, the greater story of the world of vampires attacking other vampires and trying to steal their human, they lost me. So it's a four. What about you, Andy? More importantly. Um, okay. So the rating scale, I'm tempted to take another movie that I rewatched a lot 
and that I love, which is Legally Blonde. And I feel that that movie is really well written. And it's, it's used a lot in screenwriting yes. books. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a solid movie. Reese is divine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an enduring character that is much more feminist. It's a much more feminist mm-hmm. movie in a lot of ways. Um, so I'll rate it against that. So if Legally Blonde is a 10... Um, I would say Twilight is like a seven, Mm. you know, because just of like movie solidness, Mm -hmm. but I've rewatched Twilight way, 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 way more than Legally Blonde. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think there's, I watched there's more to it. Yeah. But I've watched room more than I've seen Interstellar. Interstellar is my favorite film. So there yeah. you go. I, I mean, you know, probably, eat, you know, for food that's not good for me more often than I eat the food that's like kale on kale. Yeah. The Same tremors, thing. too. The tremors, like talk kale. about it. <laughs> Great. Well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast and then introducing me, at least, to this film. Thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm a huge fan of both of yours. And um, I'm a fan yeah, of it's yours. Been so fun. So, Please um, tell us if there's anything uh, you'd like to share with our audience, any plugs, any social media following. What would you like to tell us? I'm going to plug you guys because you guys are doing all the work and all the amazing, amazing (laughs) stuff. So I'm going to plug your socials, your Patreons. Um, Please check these wonderful people out. They put in the work to make these amazing podcasts. And, I mean, just looking at someone who has a Patreon and knowing the amount of work that they put into it and the amount of money they get out of it is is not the same. (laughs) You know, if you sign up to be a Patreon, like, I know Joe puts in so much work to his Patreon. And, you know, I'm a Patreon of Joe. And uh, I pay a dollar and I get, like, amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that's, I mean, I'm going to say, yeah. Subscribe, like. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you. And, and Joe, would you tell us where the the listeners can find your Patreon? Yeah, patreon.com slash Joe Cabello. And if you find any of my stuff, you'll find it easily. I won't say much more about it because I think that just said it all. It was awesome. So, uh, thank you. So thank you. And thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for artwork. Thank you, Bry Walker, for this amazing song. And thank you for listening.